Hey, everyone. It's Robert Poole with the Growing Your B2B Small Business Podcast. Today is part two on the subject of handling in-person or virtual appointments. If you haven't listened to the last episode, you want to do that as this episode kind of picks up where the last one left off. Let's get started. Do you have a small business that sells to other businesses? If so, you probably know that there are plenty of resources for companies that market to consumers or companies that sell to large and Fortune 500 type companies. But what about the small businesses in the middle who sell to other companies? Where do we go to get answers? How do we grow our company consistently while still keeping our sanity? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of an elite group of achievers who aren't willing to settle for just a nine-to-five job. You're one of the heroes in our society, and you should be proud of it. Welcome to the tribe, and welcome home. Hey, everyone. I hope you're having a fantastic day. In the last episode, we talked about how to handle appointments that either you set yourself or have someone set up for you. This episode ran a little long, and I didn't want to leave any important information out, so I decided to split it into two, and this is the second half. It picks up right after the last one left off, uh, as this wasn't planned, so if you haven't listened to the last episode, please do so, as I'm going to jump right into the conversation. So here we go. Okay, so back to specifics, you know, what do we actually say and do in there? You know, I think the kind of the outline and the, the things that I try to do, you know, first, you're obviously going to introduce yourself quickly, but keep in mind, they don't really care about you. You know, they're just being courteous and you're letting them size you up. I mean, this kills a lot of people who are nervous. You know, they just want to go in there and start talking uh, and the prospect doesn't get a word, in, you know, and it's just totally the wrong way to approach it. So introduce yourself quickly. Know that they really don't care about you or your background uh, and then get back to them. You know, get them talking about themselves, about their company, personal things that you pick up, like the Yoda thing, you know, and spend most of the time listening with your whole body. Don't just kind of sit there and, you know, academically listen, you know, when they're talking, you know, lean forward, you know, acknowledge what they're saying, you know, and then when you do talk and answer their questions, end it with an open question back at them. Don't ever answer the question and then stop. You know, the main goal that you need to try to set up in the beginning of the meeting is focusing on finding out what the result is that's important to them and more importantly, why it's important to them. You know, all selling is emotional and people get this idea that in B2B, you know, that it's all logic based and it's all numbers and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, that's absolutely not true. Uh, So you got to figure out, you know, it's hard to find sometimes, but you got to figure out what the emotional trigger points are for them. I mean, it's things like, you know, are they trying to impress their spouse or their employees with what a big shot they are by using your product, your service to feel like a smart, savvy business person using it? You know, to take away some pain that really bothers them, something they hate to do, or it's going to solve some huge problem that's a pain in their life. Um, and those are all emotional things. And sales is all emotion. And, you know, if you're asking questions and, and then paying attention to the body language, they're going to tell you when you hit on those hot buttons. I mean, you can see them change positions, sit up, you know, lean forward. Um, you know, their eyes change or open, you know. It's a variety of ways to, that you can see it happening if you just pay attention. Only when you found the emotional triggers and got them excited, do you start talking about logical things like features and benefits and using urgency, scarcity, and fear of loss. That's where the sales part of it comes in. And the other part is really just marketing. You know, the whole point of this last step is just to prevent buyer's remorse. You know, if you don't have a, even if you don't have a cancel window, so to speak, leaving a client feel duped or regretting their decision is just as bad for business. So don't do it. Make sure that you've got you know, you always end it with those logical reasons so they can use that to justify their purchase in their mind after they've signed on the dotted line. So next, have your scripts memorized. Everybody, you know, fights me on the script thing. You know, over the years, I've had salespeople fight. You know, I don't know why. Everyone has scripts that they use. 
You know, if you're in business and if you meet with clients, uh, or even if you meet with employees, your friends, whoever, you say the same things over and over again, the same phrases, the same ways of thinking uh, and all that. The, the only question is, is that thought out or is it just a habit that you got into because you tried it once and then in the next situation, you just did it again because it was easy because you, you know, you drill on the first conversation and you kept going like that. And then after a while, you've got a script. It's just not written down and you just have the thought with it. So using intentionally thinking out your scripts and wording it perfectly, you know, so that it's very clear and very simple, you know, how you can help them. And, you know, and really this is all they care about. They don't care about you and it's not personal, but they really don't. Um, what they care about is them and how it's going to affect their life. And then, you know, you want to involve stories of who helped you, um, who you helped in the past and the results and, you know, things like, what were they afraid of? What was their hesitation? Uh, and what did they find after working with you? That sort of thing. You know, another thing obviously is, you know, your quote, basic, you know, objection handling, you know, and having those memorized. Uh, and again, you know, there are common ones. People say, well, you know, I, you know, it's different every time because it's customer. No, it isn't. You know, the same themes that come up over and over and over again. And, you know, when you're talking to a prospect, you know, they're going to have the same concerns as other prospects have had. And there's at most 10 of them, but probably more like five of the major ones, you know. So, you know, just think about the point is to have those scripted and think about the answers, you know, in advance so that you're not just winging it, which is what most salespeople do. You know, and then finally, you got to have some kind of smooth transition to your, you know, uh, CTA or your call to action, you know, when the timing's right. You know, if you don't think it's a good fit for them, you also need a, a polite way to tell them that, you know, without saying, you know, hey, you know, um, this is not going to work for you. I mean, come up with something a little bit more elegant than that. Um, and then, you know, end the meeting on a personal note to bring them back to that initial feel good state that you hopefully got them to at the beginning, you know, with the rapport building. You know, a few other random tips. Number one, never badmouth competitors. Uh, I mean, they may be using a competitor or they have used them in the past or consider using them. But hey, you know, acknowledge that not everyone's a good client for your service. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with those other competitors, you know, that I'm sure that are, you know, nice people and, you know, do a decent job. You know, they, you just happen to think that your solution's better. But, um, you know, when you do that, when you pick on somebody in particular, that kind of lowers you uh, in the prospect's eyes. So don't ever do that. You know, we talked about this a minute ago, but you know, spend most of the meeting listening instead of talking. I mean, geez, this is, you know, probably one of the biggest problems salespeople have is they're nervous again because of this, you know, they're working their one lead and they're nervous to get the deal. But so they start jabbering and techno babble and barfing, you know, features and benefits and everything. And uh, instead of asking questions and then shutting up and let the prospect talk. Another one, you know, if you don't know the answer, don't fake it. You know, if you're new to the industry or you just don't know the answer because you're not involved in that part of it, be honest, you know, and let them know, hey, uh, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll tell you what, I'll find out. I'm going to write this down right now and I'll get back to you within 24 hours. And all that's going to do is, you know, engender even more respect, you know, for them to you. And then this is a funny one, but, you know, you think it would be common sense. Call and confirm your meetings. Send an email to confirm, you know, a reminder and, you know, if possible, a calendar invite. You know, we've had clients over the years that, you know, they had a, a meeting that we scheduled for them and it was they're there in a rural area where everything's remote. And so they, they literally drove three hours for this meeting. And then, you know, the prospect didn't show up, you know, and they, they wonder, you know, what happened and they get mad, you know, it's like, did you can call and confirm? And, you know, the, well, no, you know, and I mean, come on, just use common sense, you know? So that's a big one. And then, you know, the last subject um, is this quote, new normal that we're in, you know, the, as of the recording of this, it appears the pandemic is, is coming to an end or at least 
business is starting to get back to more normal, but it, the whole virtual appointment thing, you know, over Zoom or whatever, in the past, that was really relegated to large corporations, you know, that could afford it. And even then, it was still not preferred, you know, even if you're talking to somebody on the other side of the world. Now, everybody, because of the last year or so, even your grandmother and your landscaper uses it. So we're all getting more comfortable. You know, I'm a very private person. So the idea of being on camera was very, you know, uncomfortable for me at first. But over the past year, I've been forced to do it. And now it, it's just the same as talking to somebody in person. You know, it's not going away. So if you haven't really embraced that, I'm sorry, but it's a fact of life right now and a fact of business if you want to succeed. So you got to get comfortable with it. I mean, there really is no substitute for in-person face-to-face meetings. So, you know, if we have a choice, then yeah, we want to do that. But video conferencing is really the next best thing. And you've got to learn how to do it, how to use your camera and, you know, the quote, rules of presentation, because it is different than being in person and it's different than being on the phone. Virtual appointments, they also have, you know, a slower or a lower uh, show rate. It's much easier to blow somebody off over the internet than if it's in person, they know you're going to show up at their office. You've got to do more reminders, more ways of, you know, more methods of reminding them, text, email, phone calls, whatever, and be more frequent with them just to get their attention. You know, and you've got to do more working on setting up the compelling reason to actually show up for the meeting where, you know, if, again, if you're, if it's in person and you show up at their office, you know, you know, they kind of feel obligated to meet with you, but if they can blow you off because it's virtual, they can have a pretty good reason to show up for that meeting. And even though you can see somebody on video, you know, you lose a lot of your energy on camera, just like you do with the phone. You ever had a meeting with somebody, you know, you walk into their office or vice versa, and then suddenly the the tone of the room just changes, you know, the air pressure, you know, very subtle sounds, you know, you can see their entire body, how they walk, et cetera. All that information is lost when you go with, you know, phone or video. Um, you know, I mean, let's face it, we, most of the time you see the upper body. I mean, they could be, you know, butt naked under, below their belly button for all you know. And, uh, you know, I remember they used to talk about studies that say you lose, you know, 80% of your energy or whatever over the phone, you know, rapport versus in person. And, you know, there's another study recently that kind of refuted that, but I think, you know, we can all agree that you're going to lose a lot of it over the phone and definitely a lot of it, you know, over video. So it's just not the same thing, but it is a decent substitute these days and even better than phones. Point is, uh, for that lost energy, you know, you have to make that up on the phone and video. I mean, you've heard, you know, the camera adds 10 pounds. Well, probably takes away 30% of your emotion, your enthusiasm, and your energy. And you need to compensate for that. So you really need to go overboard to the point where you kind of feel goofy or weird because you're being, you know, so animated and so enthusiastic and you're speaking up more than you normally would. And, you know, because on the other end of the camera, it's going to look completely normal. But if you're just talking normal, they're going to think you're just dead over there in person or over the phone. Same concept. You know, I mean, other little things, you know, I mean, as we've all seen, you know, in the last year, goofy things on the internet with people doing crazy stuff on Zoom. Be intentional about your background. You know, I mean, I'm not personally a fan of green screens, particularly on video conferencing, um, because it can look kind of cheesy. But, you know, I mean, if you can't make your background more professional, I mean, you have to do that. Be aware of what's showing in your background and the message that that is sending. You know, if you're trying to appeal to a certain demographic, you know, have things that, that that demographic is going to relate to because as you're talking, they're going to look at your background and pick things up, either consciously or subconsciously. So all that stuff matters. And again, all this stuff seems like it would be common sense, but we forget about this because we're all human. I mean, things like making sure your cell and your instant messaging is off and anything in the background that's turned off so you don't distract the other person. 
you know, when you're in an in-person meeting, you know, either the prospects know, you know, that uh, their people know that you're not to be disturbed because you're, you know, unless absolutely necessary, you know, in a physical meeting, but in a virtual meeting, you don't have that. So you kind of have to manage it yourself. And, you know, regardless of how you, how you dress day to day, don't get lazy. I mean, a lot of people have totally changed the way they show up on, you know, video conferencing these days because they feel, well, I'm in my house. I should be able to wear my pajamas. If you wore a suit before this and that's appropriate for your prospects, you better put one on before the call. I mean, you can take it off 10 minutes later. It doesn't matter. But some prospects may be in their pajamas at home and that's fine. And, but hey, they're the ones who are paying you, not the other way around. You know, video is definitely different and, you know, the in-person is still preferred and hopefully you can do that. But, you know, in the meantime, it, it can be even more effective than the phone, which is the standard way to do it in the old days. Bottom line is you got to get used to it and you got to get comfortable. So if you haven't got there yet, you know, it's here to stay. And so it's a, it's a fact of doing business today if you want to stay in business. So takeaways from this episode, little things like showing up professionally at a meeting, you know, treating non-decision makers, you know, the staff and receptionists, everything with respect and winning them over because of how much influence they have with the decision maker, then creating rapport with the decision maker in a variety of ways. And then having your, your meeting agenda and the kind of a plan of how you're going to do things, your words intentionally scripted and memorized. And, you know, the biggest thing for, like I said, the, probably the biggest thing out of this episode, be honest and focus on them and not on you and your product or service. And then shut up and let them talk. Uh, spend most of your time asking questions instead of talking about yourself or your company. They don't care about you. You know, and don't let yourself get emotionally attached to the deal. And the solution to that, get more leads. So, and then finally on virtual, it's here to stay. So spend the time, learn how to use it. Make sure you're up in your energy and treat it like a real meeting. So that's all I have for today. And thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening today. I hope you learned something you can implement right away. I know your time is valuable and it's really an honor to serve you. Please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform and give me your honest feedback. Also, I put together a short ebook on some of the top lessons I've learned in 20 years owning a B2B business. You can download a free copy at growyourb2bcompany.com. 